morning. How's it going? James chapter 4 is where we'll be. We're going to bounce around this morning. Uh, so uh, let's pray and let's, uh, let's, let's get after it, all right? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together uh, to study your word. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to what you have to say to us, Father. I, I pray that you would uh, even kind of descend upon us right now, God, and, and convince us that you do have something to say to us, Father. God, I believe that that's, that's true, and I ask that you would open our minds to the fact that you have something to say to us this morning. I pray that you would uh, uh, give us a focused mind and a focused heart to, uh, to hear that from you this morning. Thank you for persevering your word that you spoke to your prophets thousands of years ago to proclaim truth to our hearts um, in these days, Father. Thank you for Jesus in his name. Amen. Uh, so yeah, I think God has, has really been pressing that into my mind lately, that he has something to say to us consistently. And, and I've said this before, that he has persevered his word through his prophets throughout the generations to, to speak to us, to reveal who he is to our hearts and our truth. Um, so uh, I, I don't want you to, when someone stands before you and opens the scriptures and, and tries to expose them and expose the truth that's behind them, uh, don't miss the fact that God has um, supernaturally persevered his spoken word um, in writing for you, for your generation, for where you are. And it's, it's living and breathing and and accurate. Um, so let's, let's open our eyes to that when we, we get a chance to, to come before Scripture. Um, so uh, this morning, I want to I say one, one sentence and then kind of allow our, our time together to, to, to go around this idea. Is th- the idea is that you are an eternal being that is consumed with a temporary. You are an eternal being that's consumed with a temporary. And when I say consumed, I mean our thoughts, our actions, our, our worries, our fears, our stresses, our everything um, are consumed with the temporary, like these moments, or, or even maybe the next few years. Nonetheless, we're consumed with the temporary. Uh, very soon, if not already, you will start thinking about Christmas. Has anybody been in a, a, a store yet that says, you know, there's like Christmas trees and stuff up? I live in Ferguson. They've already got the lights on the light poles and the, the garland wrapped around the lights popping up. And it's like uh, yet, not even close to Thanksgiving yet. Um, but we're going to be stressing ourselves with questions about what am I going to get for my husband? What am I going to get for my kids? What am I going to get for my parents? What am I going to get for fill in the blank? We're going to be stressing about how we can show our love or appreciation or affection for somebody that, that we love. And for me, one of the things that I'll stress out about is um, like we, we put lights around the whole outside of our house, right? And each one of them has its own hook. So it's like, it's straight. So it's not like draped and, you know, kind of janky looking. So each one of them has their hooks. And so what's in my mind when I think about that is what did I do with those hooks? Because, because I have, you know, it was like, 11 months ago when I put those hooks away. And I have two bags of hooks. 
And one of the hooks is really good. Like it's, it's simple and I'm like on the roof putting them up. So simple is good. If it's not simple, I'm, I could fall. Um, <laughs> which, which is consuming Jen's world because he's always, don't fall, don't fall. <laughs> uh, so one of these sets of hooks is very simple. The other set of hooks is not very simple. And, and I don't really remember which one is which. Like, I can't look at it and say, oh, that's the simple one. I, like, I have to get up there and, like, try and, oh, man, this is not the simple one. So it's stressing me to think that, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to deal with this. And, and then I also, like, we're thinking about, okay, what did we do? Like, last year in January, we bought, we went to Target and bought, like, 90% off of all the Christmas decorations. Where are those now? Because, like, we're so proud of ourselves that we got it for, like, 10% of their cost. But somewhere there's this landfill of, of 10% of cost things that have never been opened. And I'm, I'm fearful that, like, we've lost ours. And, and where are they? So these are the things that are, are consuming about. And, and also, like, for me, a stress is there's an office party. And so what can I come up with? that will make me not have to go to this office party? Thank you. Right? So I'm, I'm, I'm think. so Christmas has its own set of worries, right? You know, how can we give our lives away and, and how can we help the less fortunate? But there also comes with these, these other sets of worries about, you know, just questions. And you guys, as I'm talking about these, these are the things that stress me out. There's probably some things about Christmas that, that stress you out. Um, you are an eternal being that's consumed with the temporary. Um, let's, uh, let's read our passage and see if we can tie that little humorous diatribe about Christmas into what James has to say to us this morning. Uh, come now, verse 13, James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. By the way, one of the most offensive things in my mind is when someone boasts in their futility. Like, hey, look at me. I'm really good at this. And they're not really good at that. Um, and I think that's what James is poking at here. Um, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So we need to see some context here. First of all, James is finishing his argument that I taught about last week where we have this, uh, this desire to, to satisfy ourselves and we have these passions within us and these passions are at war within us and they materialize themselves in the physical world and we want to do physical things and get physical things that we think will somehow please us. Our passions are at war with our flesh and our spirit. And James is kind of putting a, a cap on that idea with what we're going to learn today. And what we're learning today is epitomized by verses 13 and verses 15. Verse 13, his, he says, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. James is, is poking at that person, but I want to say, proclaim that it's, James is, is not opposed 
And God is not opposed to making plans for your life. God is not opposed for you. I, I said at the beginning, you're an eternal being that's consumed with the temporary. God is not opposed to your paying attention and acting based on the temporary. It's, it's, God is not opposed to that. However, he is opposed to us being consumed with the temporary. Flip down to, to verse 15. Instead of saying, today or tomorrow we'll go into such a town and make a, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's a, it's a subtle difference. Do you see the, the, the subtle difference in verses 13 and 15? Verse 13, come now, you who say, let's make a plan. Let's, let's have this, this idea, this plan. Let's, let's figure out what we're going to do with ourselves and with our lives. He's saying that's wrong if we don't first say that simple, subtle little thing, if the Lord wills. And it's not, it's not just as simple as a, a prayer. When, you, when you're praying, God, what, what do I do with my life? It's not just simple to say, God, if you will, this is what I would like to do. It, it's, it's a little bit more, it's subtle, but it's a little bit more complex than that. And, and what James, I believe, is teaching us is to, to keep our thoughts on God. As we plan, as we walk in this life, keep our thoughts on the eternal. Thomas Manton, a guy who has written a commentary on the book of James, who's been very helpful to me in the series, says this, thoughts are the purest offspring of the soul and reveal its temper. Should have think about that one for a second. It's in your bulletin, so you can chew on it throughout the week, but Think about that. Thoughts are the purest offspring of the soul. So what your soul produces is most purely seen and known by your thoughts. And the thing is, is that my thoughts are, are, are really my thoughts. And until I, I open my mouth or act on those thoughts, you have no idea what they are. I can hide the purest offspring of my soul from who I choose to hide it from. And so can you. Do you see how, how your, your thought, and, and think about, this is, you know, as I, I read that quote about 10 days or so ago, and, and it's been ringing in my head ever since, and, and one of my prayers this week is that that idea would ring in your head. When you have a thought that may be good or maybe bad or maybe indifferent, that you would, that Thomas Manton's voice would be ringing in your head. This thought is the purest offspring of your soul. It reveals your soul's temper. When you engage problem, when you engage sin, when you engage difficulty, when you engage whatever, what does that make you think? And what it makes you think is a revelation to what's in your soul. James is saying, keep your thoughts on God. Um, In my study this week, I found that almost every New Testament writer, um, with the possible exception of Mark, um, talks about this idea, this concept, to keep an eye towards God, to, to think about the eternal, to forget the temporary and instead think towards the eternal. Isn't that profound to think that? That every single one, all of them, with, the, with a possible exception for Mark, and you could probably make a case that Mark writes about it too. 
But James, John, Peter, Matthew, Luke, Paul, all these authors, Peter, they all write about this idea. Um, so what I would like to do for the rest of our time this morning is, is kind of briefly go through what each one of those guys had to say about this idea. Matthew six nineteen. I'm going to read these all to you. They won't be on the screen. Feel free to, to look them up if, if you would like. Um, Matthew six nineteen. This is Matthew writing the biography of Jesus on his time on the earth. So Jesus is speaking, but Matthew is writing. This is what Matthew thought was important about what Jesus said. And this comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Verse 19 of chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do you see the parallel there? That what, what Jesus is teaching? Don't worry about here. Worry about there. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Um, verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's kind of Manton's quote uh, summarized by Christ there in verse 21. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, what you see and what you do with what you see, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Kind of confusing, but to say lust of the eyes, the things that we think we have to have, we think that we have to get. Jesus is poking at those just like James did in his, his epistle. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will be put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Do you see Jesus trying to get us to think eternally? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And each one of you, by being anxious, can you add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows them and knows that you need them all. And verse 33 is, is the heart of, of what James is saying, what all these New Testament authors and writers are saying. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's, it's, it's so simple. But it, it's so at war with our passions and at war with who we are and what we want to lean towards. Uh, Flip over uh, two books to, to Luke, and we'll see Luke saying the same things. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Jesus teaching. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, my, brother, 
tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable saying, a land of a rich man produces plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nothing, nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there will I store all my grain and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will those be? So is the one who laid up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This idea, fool, your soul is required of you this very night. The same thing James just said, you are a mist. You are a, think about uh, other translations, you are a vapor, you're, you're quick, you're here, and then you're gone. Fool. Jesus says. Do you think it's, it's, it's like worth paying attention to when Jesus uses the word fool? Foolish, not wise, Let's pay attention here. If, if we are a mist and if our, our, our soul could be required of us this very night, your life could be required of you this very day. What, let, let's, let's think about this. I want, I want you guys to spend like a minute thinking in yourself. If, you, if somebody told you that on Thursday, on Thursday this week, four days from now, you were going to be dead. Somebody told you that and you knew it as a fact. What would you do with the next four and a half days? I'm going to stop talking and let you, let you really honestly think about that. What would you do with your next four days if you knew on Thursday you were gone? What you just thought about is what consumes your heart in your life. Chances are you're thinking about family, you're thinking about friends, you're thinking about not work. Uh, or maybe you were, I don't know. But if our life is a mist, here today, gone tomorrow, and in the eternal spectrum, 70 years on this planet is, is a, it's a vapor, it's a mist, it's vanishing, it's gone. What consumes us? All of the writers of the New Testament are saying, pay attention to the eternal, pay attention to the eternal, pay attention to the eternal. Like for us, we live in North County and we live really close to this landfill that's going to explode. Maybe. And going to give us all cancer? Maybe. Like, that, I know, I know for a fact that that consumes some of us here in this room, that when we have, when we're not actively doing something, we're thinking about that. Do I sell my house? Do I buy, do I, where, where do I move? What do I do? Where, what, 
what, and, and we're just, we don't even know the questions to ask. And I don't think that Jesus or Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or Peter or Paul or James or any of these people are saying, don't do that. None of them are saying that. What they are saying, the wisdom that they are giving to you is have an eye towards the eternal as you, as you think through that, as you process through that, as you are wise about how you, because fool, your life could be required of you tomorrow, today. John 6, 27. John poking at this same notion. And he's quoting Jesus, who says, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Do not work for food that perishes, but food that's, that endures to eternal life. Because Jesus has to tell us that, it reveals that our natural bend, like our unchecked, untaught self, is going to work for food that spoils, work for here, work for now, work for something that will be dust in eternity. Philippians 3, Paul and Peter are the last two for us to, to talk about. And Paul and Peter get a little bit aggressive with their language. Philippians 3, verses 19 and 20. This is Paul talking. He says, To those who are consumed with the temporary, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame. And their minds are set on earthly things. When our minds are set on earthly things without an acknowledgement to the eternal, without an acknowledgement to the sovereignty of God, without James's simple little phrase, if the Lord wills, if that's in our prayers and in our hearts and in our psyches, then this is different for us. But for those whose minds are set on earthly things, this is what God has to say to you. Destruction is your end. Your God is your belly and you glory in your shame. Are we, like this is, so many times we hear this message and we think that this is, I can't wait to go and share this with. But God is poking at you. God is poking at me. We are consumed with this moment, this temporary moment, all of our lives, our, our flesh screams out, you need to pay attention to you. Sin has become the worst thing that I can do in this world is to deny who I am. And all of scripture, all of these people are screaming to us, no. Do, do you see that? Are you picking that up? The, the, what our culture is saying to us, what this Culture is saying to you is the worst sin that you can commit is to deny yourself and who you are. That's a freaking lie. And it's, it's killing us. The heart of the matter, what Jesus is proclaiming to every one of us is stop paying attention to this moment, you fool. I've got something better and more. 
It's going to be, I promise, this is the Lord God, and he wants, to, he wants to provide for every single need that you have. And it starts with self-denial. Whew, sorry. Uh, flip over to Second Peter. And his language is, is really rough. Speaking to those who are seduced by the world. To those who are seduced by the world and consumed with the temporary and consumed with satisfying themselves, Peter says, they have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. This is intense language, right? To those who are consumed with the moment, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, James, Jesus all have this to say to you. Your eyes are full of adultery. You are insatiable for sin. You, your insatiable nature for sin entices unsteady souls, those that are around you. Your hearts have been trained in greed. This is profound. And the only thing that I know to speak to this, to, to challenge this in our hearts, which is natural for us. The only thing to challenge this is something that God gives in abundance. And last week we talked about it. Do you remember? God gives more grace. Because grace for us many times, we talked about this in community group. We, we, we think that, that grace begins and ends with the forgiveness of sin. This is the purpose and point of God's grace is to forgive us of our sins. Yes, but God gives more grace to you to help you to overcome this truth about who you are. God gives more grace, not just to forgive you of your sin, but to overcome your selfishness, to overcome your self-centeredness, to overcome your desire to see, to, to see this world for what it is. To see the temporary for what it is. Because the fact is, all these authors of the New Testament, they all say to you, you are consumed with the present, but you are an eternal being. God gives grace in abundance. God gives more grace to help you overcome that. This is your Savior. This is your God. Pray for grace. He has given you the ability to overcome this. Let's, uh, let's pray for that grace and then sing about it. God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for the grace that you give to us. God, I pray that you would cause us, enable us, whatever, to overcome our being consumed with the temporary in this world. God, I pray that the culture would 
That you would allow us to see the lies the culture is telling to us. And we would be consumed with you, Father. And your word, we would seek first your kingdom. And then all of these things will be added to us. God, I thank you for all of the prophets who have spoken throughout the generations and how you've persevered that to speak to our hearts this morning. God, I pray that we would be eternal beings consumed with eternal things. God, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.